0: Time for me to ask you a question. I need to know this about the congregation that I serve. What I want to know is there are some people who love surprises and some people who hate surprises. And I want to know where we lie on that spectrum. You're somewhere in there. You're not in the middle, okay? Nobody is in the middle. Either you love them or you hate them. So we're going to take a vote. So search your soul right now. Get ready to answer this. You must answer either way. Okay, first of all, I want to see hands for the people who love surprises. How many of us? are here who love surprises okay good number okay now how many of us hate surprises can't stand surprises smaller number y'all we got double hands four (laughs) hands raised right there yeah guess what i'm with you i'm actually with you on your team i used to think i was just this happy hippie who could just flow with anything and then as i got older i realized no i can't i need to know what my day looks like I want to have control over my schedule. And so when you throw a surprise at me, even if it's the best surprise in the world, I'm not usually going to be super stoked about it. I'm, I'm going to be like, oh, okay, awesome. It'll take me a little while to get stoked about it. So like a couple years ago, Cindy surprised me on her anniversary. She got me into the car, and she drove me out to Ko'olina. She had deserved a room in an epic hotel. It was a staycation. It was awesome. Guess what my first words were when I found out what the plan was, what the surprise was. It wasn't, awesome, you're the best, babe. It was, but I was going to fix the screen door today. <laughs> That's what my first response was. I'm the worst husband in the world. I know that. But it's because I, I, I need to have structure and order and, and know what's going on with my day. Um, but then there's some, some surprises that you just can't help but to appreciate. Like when Cindy and I were first dating, one time she put a note in my mailbox at work and the note said, go to this newspaper box at these cross streets. You guys remember newspaper boxes, right? I'll explain them to you later if you don't remember them. So I I went to those cross streets, I found the newspaper box, I put a quarter in the newspaper box, rifled through all the newspapers and underneath them all was another note. Go to this vending machine in front of this supermarket. So then I drove across town, went to that supermarket, found that vending machine, looked all around, and on the back of the vending machine was taped another note that sent me somewhere else completely on the other side of town. She had me going back and forth for two hours, crisscrossing town, until finally I found her with the last note, she had set up a picnic on a blanket at a park, a beautiful sunset dinner. And it was awesome. I should have, through that whole thing, been going, oh, I I should have been salty, just going, I can't believe she's making me go to all these different places. I should have been like, man, I had a plan for my day, and this wasn't in it. But that's not how I responded. My attitude was like, wow, I I can't believe she went to all this work for me. I I wonder where the next note is going to lead me. There's some surprises that can't help but to put a smile on your face when you got a three-day weekend coming up and the boss says hey team why don't we make this a four-day weekend you're like yes you can't argue with that kind of surprise when you put on an old pair of jeans and you find a hundred dollar bill in the pocket yes when you order a six-piece chicken mcnugget and there's seven mcnuggets in the box Yes, you cannot stop yourself from celebrating that kind of surprise. Well, what we're going to see today is that when you are in Christ, you have this never-ending string of surprises to look forward to, this never-ending string of blessings to look forward to. If you got your Bible, open to 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2, and Paul is going to clue us in to this never-ending string of surprises that come when you're in Christ. Because when you first put your faith in Christ, you think you're just coming to Christ because you need forgiveness for your sins. That's the first thing you, you, the, the first thing on the progression that you go to. And you think, this is awesome, I'm forgiven of my sins, but then you start realizing over the course of the months and years that you walk with Christ, that there's so much more. Being forgiven of your sins is incredible. That's an epic blessing. But the longer you walk with Jesus, the more of his blessings you see. And so I want you to walk out of here today going, yes, stoked because of the surprising blessings that you have in Christ that maybe you weren't aware of or weren't appreciating up until now. Maybe you came in today just kind of meh. Life isn't terrible, but it's not terrific, just kind of meh. I hope that you walk out of here today seeing god's blessings and appreciating god's blessings in a brand new way so let's pray for that to happen father i know we're all coming in here at all different levels some of us our lives really are terrible we're dealing with terrible bosses terrible workplaces terrible diseases some of us are just kind of surviving in life not thriving it's kind of meh. Some of us are coming in here stoked on life, but not for the right reasons. So, Lord, help us to see your blessings, appreciate your blessings, and glorify you through changed lives because of your blessings. And we know that all of our blessings come through Christ. And so it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're looking at 1 Corinthians 2. We're going to pick up where we left off last week, verse 6. 1 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 6. Look at what Paul says. We speak a wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. What is he saying? The message of the gospel is totally different from the message of this age, the message that you get from the rest of this world. Paul says the rulers of this age are coming to nothing. The rulers of this age are coming to nothing. I've got to be honest with you, there are a couple rulers of this age that I wish would come to nothing a little more than some of the other leaders and rulers of this world. I won't share those with you because this is going on YouTube and I don't want to get audited, so I'll just keep that to myself. But you know there are some leaders we appreciate and some leaders that we don't. Here's what Paul says. None of those leaders, none of those rulers can compare with Christ. They're all coming to nothing, Because all the rulers of this age, they all think they're the saviors of this age. We're coming up on another election season. They're saying this is the most important election of our generation. Guess what? They say the same thing every election. I'm Generation X. I've heard them say the same thing through Generation X, Y, now Gen Z. And no matter who we put in office, the rulers of this age don't seem like they're doing that much to make this world any better. It's because Paul called it 2,000 years ago. The rulers of this age will come to nothing. And we're not just talking about the political leaders that we put our hope in. We're talking about the uber-successful entrepreneurs that we try and live our lives like. The social media influencers that we try to emulate. The rulers of this age, they'll come to nothing. Because apart from Christ, they're offering hope and meaning and purpose in life through temporary things, limited things. And the wisdom that Paul is giving us here is that God offers way better blessings than the world ever could. Look at what he says in verse 7. Paul says, on the contrary, contrary to everything this world offers, on the contrary, we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery, a wisdom God predestined before the ages for our glory. It's a mystery. Remember, in biblical terms, a mystery isn't A riddle that nobody can figure out it's not like who killed JFK or why your dentist keeps asking you questions when he's got three instruments deep in your mouth man what about those Lakers what's going on I don't know why the dentist keeps asking me questions in the middle of the procedure it's not that kind of mystery in the Bible a mystery isn't a riddle that nobody can figure out it is a fact a reality that was previously hidden But now is revealed and the mystery that was hidden was that the father son and holy spirit have put a plan in motion and they set this plan in motion before the ages in eternity past and it's a plan to create us and bless us and then allow us to rebel and fall and then to come die for us in order to redeem us and glorify us That's the plan. A wisdom God predestined before the ages for our glory. I've got to be honest with you. I wasn't expecting those words in this sentence. For our glory? I wasn't expecting that. Because God doesn't need us. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were perfectly happy without us in eternity past. But God chose to demonstrate his power and his love and his grace by creating us and redeeming us and glorifying us through the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. Nobody understood that plan while the plan was being carried out. When Jesus was ministering here on earth, nobody understood. When Jesus died on the cross, nobody understood. When Jesus even rose from the grave, nobody understood. That's why Paul says in verse 8, look at verse 8, none of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom, because if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Yeah, that's why Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Nobody could see what was really going on. But, verse 9, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love him. What things? What things? A wisdom God predestined before the ages for our glory. His plan to redeem us in this life in order to glorify us in the next life. So this isn't just a $100 bill in your pant pocket that you weren't expecting. This is a billion dollar deposit in your bank account that you weren't expecting. This is huge. What kind of blessings do you get? when you're in Christ? Here's number one. Eternal hope. That's what he's talking about here. The hope we have that God is going to glorify us in the next life. Family, that's what allows us, that's what empowers us to get through whatever we got to get through in this life. That hope we have. I love the way Paul says it in Romans 8. Look at the way he says it. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. The sufferings we're going through right now are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. There's lots of different kinds of suffering that you might be experiencing right now, but the hope of the gospel is that it is nothing compared to the glory you're going to experience in the future. You might be experiencing sickness, and disease right now. You might be caring for someone dealing with sickness and disease. Well, the hope you have to look forward to is a glorified body in the future. You might have been dealing with the suffering of finals over the past few weeks. Your brain is just mush right now. Well, the hope that you have to look forward to is a glorified mind in the future. You might be dealing with suffering through depression or anxiety. Well, the hope that you have to look forward to is a glorified emotions in the future you might be suffering through fomo every time you fire up the gram and you see these epic trips your friends are taking and you feel like you're never going to experience everything this world has to offer in this life well the hope that you have to look forward to is a glorified earth in the next life this is what god has predestined before the ages for our glory For all eternity, God has been thinking of all the ways that he can bless us. It's kind of like planning a surprise party for someone you really love. You you just can't wait to see how they're going to react. That's what God's thinking right now. I can't wait to see the expression on their face when they see what I've got planned. What no eye has seen, no ear has heard, what no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love him. Family, no matter how epic you think eternity is going to be, it's going to be a million times better. It's better than anything you've ever seen or heard or imagined. But still, we get a little taste. We get a little preview through the Holy Spirit. Look at what Paul says in verse 10. Verse 10, Now God has revealed these things to us by the Spirit. Since the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God, for who knows a person's thoughts except his Spirit within him? Yeah, nobody else knows what you're thinking all the time. Not even the people who are closest to you. If the people who are closest to you knew what you were thinking at every moment, they wouldn't be close to you anymore. Nobody knows what you're thinking all the time except for you. And so Paul says, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who comes from God— so that we may understand what has freely been given to us by God. The Holy Spirit is given to us so that we can understand how much we've been blessed by God. The only way that we can see the grace of God and the power of God and the gifts of God is through the Spirit of God. So you want to know what kind of blessings you get when you're in Christ? Here's number two. is Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. You thought you were just getting your sins forgiven. You thought you were just getting a ticket to heaven. No fam, it gets even better than that. You get a relationship with the best person in in the universe, and it's a relationship that's so close. Closer than any other relationship in the world because that person lives inside of you. That's how close this relationship is. Look what Jesus says in John 14. John 14, Jesus says, I'll ask the Father, and he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever. He's the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. When you put your faith in Jesus, he gives you another counselor to live inside you. Or other translations say a helper. There's all different ways of translating that word because it's one of those Greek words that no one English word can fully comprehend. It's the Greek word parakletos from two words, parakleot, to speak beside. The Holy Spirit is the one who speaks beside you, which is such good news. The Holy Spirit isn't out in front of you, waiting for you to catch up with him. The Holy Spirit isn't behind you, pushing you out all by yourself. The Holy Spirit is right behind, beside you every moment of the day speaking God's truth to you. In the ancient world, that that word was used most often to describe an attorney in a court of law. That's why in some translations, you'll see the word advocate used to describe the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the thing. Jesus just told us that the Father was going to send another advocate. Another advocate. Why is that? Because Jesus himself is your primary advocate he's standing before the father right now if you're in Christ Jesus is standing before the father on your behalf speaking the best of you advocating for you every moment of every day look at what it says in 1st John 2 1st John 2 if anyone sins and I'm not gonna have you raise your hands on this one how many of us have sinned in the last 30 seconds I won't make you raise your hand on that if anyone sins that's all of us we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He Himself is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is your advocate, and that's the same word, parakletos. He's speaking to the Father right now, because you know what's happening? You're on trial before God the Father. You've been declared guilty. You, you sinned against the God who created you, and so now it's the sentencing phase of the trial, and you're up for the death penalty, but if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've got an advocate. You've got a defense attorney, Jesus Christ, speaking on your behalf. If you've ever been in a, a court trial setting, you know that the defendant, you don't normally see much of that person. You don't really hear much from the defendant. The person who you hear from the most is that person's attorney, their advocate. That's who the judge Hears. That's who the judge sees. And so when the Father is sentencing you, if you've put your trust in Christ, then He sees Jesus instead. That's why it says in 1 John 2 Jesus Christ, the righteous one, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. When the Father looks at you, He doesn't see your sin. He sees the righteousness of Jesus instead. He sees the righteous life that Jesus lived on your behalf. He sees the righteous death that Jesus died on your behalf. And that's why you are forgiven, because Jesus is your advocate. But then the Father sends the Holy Spirit as another advocate. And so you should be asking, well, why do I need two? Why do I gotta have two advocates? Isn't Jesus strong enough to represent me all by himself? He's got a tag team with the Holy Spirit? Like, Jesus is going... Man, I don't know what to do with this Matt guy. He's supposed to be a pastor, but he keeps cutting people off on the H1. I don't know what to do with this guy, so Holy Spirit, you're going to have to take over. Is that what's going on? No way. No. Here's how it works. Jesus Christ is your advocate to God the Father, and the Holy Spirit is the Father's advocate to you. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, God the Son makes intercession for the saints, God the Holy Spirit makes intercession in the saints. Jesus is pleading on your behalf to the Father, and the Holy Spirit is pleading on the Father's behalf to you. He's pleading with you to remember your first advocate, Jesus, and all that he's done for you. And you need that desperately. You want to know why? Because right now, I guarantee you, you're trying to act as your own advocate. You're trying to act as your own advocate. You're trying to measure up to God's standards, the world's standards, your family's standards, your boss's standards. And you're trying to advocate for yourself all the time. So you can go along in life and feel like you're pretty good at your job. Yeah, I'm competent. I'm competent. I'm good. I'm, I'm better than most of those fools over there. I'm, I'm good at my job. And you can go along feeling that way until the first slightly, per, slightly negative performance review that you get, y- your boss checks average next to ability to delegate tasks. And you're like, average? Seriously? I'm just average at delegating tasks? Well, then why do I even work here, you know? All of a sudden, your world comes crumbling down because you've spent so long – advocating for yourself and you can't stand it when the world doesn't see you the same way you see you this is how life works trying to be your own advocate all the time well the good news of the gospel is that jesus is your advocate before the father and the holy spirit is sent by the father to remind you of your perfect advocate jesus christ that he's already measured up on his own on your behalf so you don't have to you've got nothing to prove to yourself or to God, or to anybody else. That's what the Holy Spirit is sent to remind you of every day. To remind you of who God is, and what he's done for you. Like Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 2, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God, and we've received the Spirit who comes from God, so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. So we can be reminded every day what Jesus has done for us so we don't have to try and do it again on our own and spit in his face. Trying to do things that he has already done for us. And family, you can make it through anything in life if you've got God living inside you, reminding you of all that he's done for you and all that he's given you. Keep going in verse 13. Verse 13, Paul says, We also speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. But the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit because it is foolishness to him. He's not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually. Now, we've got to clarify something here. It's that word spiritual. Spiritual. If I were to ask a hundred different people what the definition is of the word spiritual. I guarantee you I'd get a hundred different answers. Everybody's got a different idea. To be spiritual could mean being mindful, being meditative. It could mean being connected to the divine energy in some way. Being spiritual could mean being united to all living things, to the universe. Being spiritual could mean being transcendent above the everyday existence of life. It could mean all kinds of different things to all different kinds of people. But when you see that word spiritual in the Bible, here's what the Bible means by that word. Simply to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's all it is. To be influenced by the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul says here in verse 13. We speak these things not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. There's deep things, profound spiritual realities that only the Holy Spirit can help you to understand. And that's the third huge blessing, a a surprising blessing that you get when you're in Christ, supernatural insight. You weren't expecting this when you first came to Christ, but over time, you start seeing more of it. You, You start to understand things that didn't make sense before, things that don't make sense just intuitively. Things like the cross. The cross doesn't make sense. Us having a cross in front of us in church, that doesn't make sense. I mean, if I'm looking for a mentor in life, if I'm looking for some kind of leader who I can model my life after, I'm not looking for a guy who's half naked, bleeding, nailed to a post on the side of the road. I'm not looking for that guy why would I follow a guy like that? That would be foolish. But that's exactly the kind of guy we follow. That's exactly the kind of leader we model our lives after. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has opened our eyes to see the wisdom of the cross. The Spirit gives you these 3D glasses to see things that you just couldn't see before. The glory of God and the depravity of man and the beauty of Jesus, these things that you just can't understand just through logic and reason, it takes a miracle of the Holy Spirit to open our eyes and help us see our sin and our desperate need for his grace. God gives us supernatural insights to save us, and then he keeps giving us supernatural insights to sanctify us and make us look more like Jesus over time, just like he did with the 12 disciples. It says in Luke 24 that Jesus opened their mind to understand the scriptures so that they could understand who he was and what he was really doing. He opened their minds and opened their eyes. You know when that happened? It wasn't when they first met him. It was after they spent three years living with him, just by his side 24/7. after they spent three years watching him heal people and deliver people, after they heard hundreds and hundreds of sermons from him, after they watched him die just like he prophesied, and then rise from the grave just like he prophesied, even after all of that, God still had to supernaturally open their minds. You could be hanging around Jesus for a long time. You could be hanging around church for a long time. You could be hanging around Christians for a long time. That's going to do nothing for you until the Holy Spirit miraculously helps you to see things you never saw before. It takes a miraculous work of God to understand anything about God. But here's the good news. God does that all the time. He gives you supernatural insight into his will and into his word. He does that for every Christian. Family, do you think that only pastors can understand the word? Is that a nagging thought that you've got in the back of your head? Do you think that it takes like some kind of special anointing that only a few Christians have? Do you think that you got to come to church and hear me explain the Bible or else you've got no chance on your own of understanding the Bible? Do you think that? And that's not what Paul thinks. He says, the Spirit is the one who teaches you. Yeah, I might open my mouth. I might say some things, but it's only the Spirit inside of you who's going to make those things make sense. The Spirit illuminates God's Word to you. The Spirit gives supernatural, supernatural insight to you. You just have to put in the work to see that happen. The only difference between you and me is that you have blessed me with a paycheck. You've freed me with a paycheck to be able to study God's Word full time. That's the only difference. So like, all during the week, I'm on my knees seeking understanding into the Word. I've still got to put in the work. On Mondays, I'm just kind of meditating on the Word, just marinating in the Word. On Tuesdays, I'm talking to the staff about the Word. Wednesdays, I'm talking to the other harbor pastors about the Word. Thursdays, I'm reading all kinds of books about the Word. Fridays, I'm trying to synthesize it and sum it all up so I can preach the word to you in less than three hours on Sunday, I've still got to put in the work in order to do that. And that's a huge privilege. I've got the best job in the world. You've made it possible for me to spend like 15 or 20 hours a week studying God's word. But I don't have any special insights that you couldn't have. You just got to be willing to put in the work. You got to be willing to read God's word faithfully. Pray through God's word. Talk about God's Word with your family. Talk about God's Word with your friends. Talk about God's Word with your community group. Read a good commentary. See what scholars have to say about God's Word. If you're willing to put in the work, the Spirit will give you supernatural insights into God's Word. He will. And here's the end result. Look at what Paul says in verse 15. Here's what comes from all of that. The spiritual person... That's you, if the Holy Spirit is living inside of you. The spiritual person can evaluate everything. You get insights into everything in this world. And yet, he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. You don't need to worry about the world judging you, mocking you, condemning you. You have the Holy Spirit inside you. For who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Yeah, if you're in Christ, then you can evaluate everything because you've got this world has to offer you. And you can see how much God has to bless you with. You can finally see the eternal hope that God wants to give you, the Holy Spirit that God wants to give you, the supernatural insights that God wants to give you. And that's what's going to empower you to make it through whatever this world throws at you. Let's pray together. Father, what an incredible promise that is. The hope that we have to look forward to in eternity. Glorified bodies, minds, emotions, relationships. A glorified earth. But we know that we don't just have to wait for eternity to experience that. That you've given us your Holy Spirit to live inside of us. To give us hope, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. You've given us supernatural insights into your word, into this world. And you've given us contentment and joy as a result of it all. Help us to lean into the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. Don't let us leave from here without being floored, overwhelmed, dumbfounded by your blessings. Help us to be transformed by your blessings. Through the grace of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.